From WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Abby Grizet. And I'm Elise Hammond. Welcome back. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. This is our last show of the semester. Our reporters will tell you how the Marching 110 is preparing for their march in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and how some women participate in a program in which they are the minority. Most people might find it really challenging to come into like a highly dominated male field, especially something being like the military, but um, it's actually really motivational to know that you're going out there and putting yourself out there as a female, and you just have to go out and really show your personality and show them that you know you can really do this. We'll give you all the details and more coming up right here on The Outlet. Flights of red wines pair well with good company and rousing jazz. The outlet's Madeline Peck checked out one of the free performances Ohio University jazz students put on at a local venue. David Savola is sitting at the bar inside Athens Uncorked. He's drinking a glass of Pinot Noir. The bartender opens another bottle and jazz music fills the air. To the side of the wine bar, there's a six-piece jazz combo featuring keys, drums, strings, horns, and a variety of jazz standards. There's so many good music venues here, and um, to um, hear like faculty play and that sort of thing is, is one of the coolest things about Athens. This music may sound like it's played by professionals, but most of the musicians are anything but. The majority of the jazz combo is made up of students. On the second Sunday of every month, Ohio University jazz students and faculty play free performances open to the public at Athens Uncorked. It's nice to hear such professional, high-caliber musicians play together in an informal setting. Assistant Professor of Jazz Studies and Music Theory, Sean Parsons, says the performances started last year. It's a good chance for the students to come in and play um, uh, live, live set, live music in front of uh, people in a setting that they might be doing when they go and start working professionally. Different combos made up of students and faculty arrange and play the first set. The second set usually gives other music students an opportunity to jump in and get some experience. Sean says the performances aren't an academic requirement, but all the jazz students join in anyway. We're pretty full almost every time we play here, which is awesome. And, uh, and people, people like hearing live jazz. And we don't have a, I mean, there's a couple pockets in town that have that. Have that. There's, I think, Tuesday night at Tony's, and I think there's something at uh, Devil's Kettle on Thursdays. So, but uh, for a place for students to go and play and to learn, this is great. Music student and trumpet player Ryan Kerwin says the opportunity to play in front of a live audience is comparable to something like an internship or apprenticeship for an engineering student. This is our craft and this is our chance to understand or to test ourselves and test our understanding and our application of the things that we've studied. And this is what students have done in this music for a century. So it's incredibly important and it's part of a long tradition. It's clear these jazz nights are loved by students and community members alike. They provide an opportunity for the campus and the Athens community to come together. And jazz is part of a, is part of a community engagement. It's communal music, it's conversational music, and it's important that people are out here and being feel welcome to be a part of what we're making. 
The Outlet. I'm Madeline Peck. The Marching 110 is preparing to leave campus for New York City, not only to march in the Macy's Day Parade for the third time, but also to perform on the Today Show before Thanksgiving Day. Outlet reporter Connor Keurig describes exactly how the band's been getting ready to perform in front of such a huge audience. Perform, stop, get critiqued. This is the sixth run-through of the night. Practice started at 10 p.m. and the group is still on the turf, worn down in Walter Fieldhouse, but pushing through until near midnight. The Marching 110 is preparing for a performance on the Today Show and a part in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Assistant Director Joshua Boyer makes it seem like perfection is the goal, but there's one minute and 15 seconds in front of a massive live audience on the line. Over 3 million watching in the city and more than 22 million from their TVs. To Boyer, a stage like that demands they aim high. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Um, knowing that who knows what could happen. Like there could always be a, a balloon that's in front of us that takes a little bit too long to get off and you have to just accommodate for that or something like that. Um, they might run a commercial right before we go so then we have to wait for the commercial and then, and then go. You never know. And part of that prep is members of the 110 getting used to a faster walking pattern and nailing a new formation. The Macy's Parade has been the main focus of the band since homecoming. You know, the energy is up, you know, and, and, and it's, it's just a continuation from the season. We just did our, we had a last show on Tuesday night in, up at Ohio Theater in Columbus, and then we roll right, right into Macy's now coming up. So it's, it's been bang, bang, so there's been no time to sit back and relax almost, so they're really prepared, though, for what's coming up. Especially after today's practice, like we got there and there were still a few things wrong, but by the end, I think we could do it right now if we needed to. That was OU senior Colton Feathers, an alto saxophone. To him, the fact that the 110 is one of 10 bands performing in the Macy's Day Parade doesn't seem real yet. I'm kind of in denial still. Like, it just it doesn't feel like I'm actually going to be at the Macy's Day Parade. And I don't know. I'm really excited about it. It just doesn't feel real until, it's gonna, until it actually happens. <laughs> so there's the Today Show performance early Wednesday. Then Thursday morning, the 240 band members, plus Boyer and the band director, Richard Sook, will grab breakfast before 3 a.m. because they have to be lined up for rehearsal by 3.50. They have a 10-minute window to execute their 115-minute rendition of 25 or 6 to 4 by Chicago during the rehearsal. The thing that I'm fearing most is waking up at 1.45 in the morning to practice then at 3 in the morning and then not step off for the parade for like four more hours after that. That's definitely something I'm worried about, just being like alert and ready on my best performance, having almost no sleep. Um, those will be a lot of what we always, we always kind of refer to as hurry up and wait, you know, the morning of, because you got, you got to get there and then you just wait. And you get, so there's that kind of like, and then that down section, and then it picks up right when you go on and everything else like that. So, so that energy, you know, will be fun to see. And usually, that's how the entire season goes, up and down. Sook says normally, the band's intensity doesn't stay this consistent through the end of the year, but Macy's has created an exception. It's amazing how fast time flies. You know, it's funny, it does help in a way, because what happens in the season 
it's like a big crescendo to homecoming. And then after homecoming, it starts getting cold outside and the, they're, they're ready to, all right, we're ready to pack it in, you know. And, uh, and Macy's was another carrot we could dangle over their uh, heads. The students have known about this performance since April 2016, but Sook's no stranger to the parade. The band has played on the Big Star twice before, once in 2000 and once in 2005. And returning to Macy's Parade from my alma mater, Ohio University, the 205 members of the Marching 110. We weren't good at math. Great band, and here they are. The same band can only apply every five years, so Sook has kept 2017 on his radar because it's the 110's 50th anniversary. You know, we could have not done it again, and, and I'd, I'd still probably have a, I feel great that I've taken him to see Macy's, but uh, when I was, uh, as a band director, you th think, I want to take my band to Macy's Parade, and then it became, oh, I want to take this band to the Macy's Parade. You know, I want to take this band to the Macy's, you know, just because the students have a great experience when they go. This is our, our biggest stage. You know, like literally the biggest stage you can be in a marching band is probably the Macy's Day Parade. And, and, and so that, that opportunity is one that, that I, I value to tell them as I was a student. Now being able to take my students to the parade and be share that experience with them now is, is, is just incredible. And to, to, to watch their faces as they're coming down the route and experiencing that is going to be really cool to see. The directors are both a little stressed, naturally. But they're confident because their musicians are executing well. And students are testy after a long practice like tonight's, but Feathers says he can feel the relief after they nailed the song. For him, there couldn't be a better way to end his time with the Marching 110. I guess it's just kind of a, a culmination of everything that's happened since I've been in the 110. I, it's been, I've gotten so many amazing opportunities and to end on the biggest parade of the year in, across the entire country, definitely a high note, going out on a high note. Lineup is at 7 a.m. They step off at 10 a.m. Then they will perform at 11.05. On their way to the star, they'll perform Stand Up and Cheer and Pass Bobcat Corner, a group of over 300 OU alums cheering from the stands. Feathers says this is a unifying event because even though not all Bobcats will be there, he knows they'll be watching on TV from all over the country. This band from Athens, Ohio, is playing a role in America's shared Thanksgiving tradition. That's big. It might only be 1 minute and 15 seconds on the star, but for the members and directors, it's an experience of a lifetime. For The Outlet, I'm Connor Keurig. Ohio University's ROTC program is one of the top in the nation. It teaches students leadership and physical skills that will prepare them for their next step. However, there is a lack of female leadership. Reporter Maddie Young talks to a few women in the program to get their perspective. It's 6 a.m. on a Wednesday. The sky is still dark, but the lights are on in Ohio University's Walter Fieldhouse. The gym is filled with Reserve Officers Training Corps and black t-shirts with yellow writing that spells Army. Wednesdays are when the ROTC has physical training sessions. They begin by getting in formations and following the commands of the male leaders. 
The workout begins. One of the cadets, Zoe Vinaj, is following along. Most of the leaders here are male, but Zoe is trying to change that. Her training is almost complete for a leadership position. I enjoy it. I get the chance to be first sergeant this semester, which is a pretty big leadership position, and I've learned a lot. It's built up my confidence and um, my leadership skills. Not only has the training sharpened Zoe's skills, but it's also helped her in other aspects of her life. This program has helped me kind of um, come out of my shell a little bit. Um, there's things that I normally wouldn't do if I hadn't been in this program that I'm able to do now, like public speaking and like just physical things too, like being in shape is obviously really awesome and uh, just the whole leadership aspect, learning how to lead people has uh, been really beneficial for me. One thing that stands out at this training is the difference in numbers of female and male cadets. Out of 136 cadets, there are only 40 females. That's less than half. But just because the numbers aren't there doesn't mean the females don't work as hard. For sophomore Jessica Shaw, these statistics drive her. Most people might find it really challenging to come into like a highly dominated male field, especially something being like the military, but... Um, it's actually really motivational to know that you're going out there and putting yourself out there as a female and you just have to go out and really show your personality and show them that, you know, you can really do this. Sophomore Paige Walsh shares her opinion on what ROTC does for the female cadets. Females are not inferior in this program at all. Some may think that either um, based on intelligence or physical strength, we fall below men and that's not true at all. We have several cadets here that can hang with the guys. Um, the strongest and the toughest that we have. Um, we're strong and competitive and want to work hard and want to reach those same goals that the men do. It's clear the women here are gaining physical as well as leadership skills, though the numbers may be lacking. But the program is trying to change that. ROTC is trying to get as much female leadership in the program this year as possible. For the outlet, I'm Maddie Young. A local lab has recently started researching medical marijuana. The outlet's Ben Schwartz found out exactly what they're researching. The first interaction I had with a vendor in Colorado, he was making these disposable pens uh, for, for vape, vaping, okay, because you can't smoke it, uh, but you can, you can vaporize it. This is Scott Holowecki. He's describing the encounter that led him to realize all that is lacking within the medicinal marijuana industry. And each one was, one was called anxiety, one was called sleep, one was called pain. And we said, okay, this is really cool. And each time you used it, it would tell you about how much you used it. I said, great, what's the, what's the recommended usage? He says, we don't, we don't know. We can't figure that out. Scott is an investor in Black Elk, which is a biotech company currently funding a five-year, $1.85 million study on the medical properties of marijuana at Ohio University's Edison Biotech Institute. Their goal is to study medical marijuana and how it affects the body, with hopes of eventually patenting some medicine of their own. Since the partnership is still in its early stages, most of the focus so far has been towards helping the consumer. Holowecki has been working with manufacturers to see if any changes or improvements need to be made to existing products. You know, I think the first thing that we've all tried to do is understand are the products that are currently out there what they say they are. You know, so we kind of started 
there, and we figured out, is there anything in those products that might actually be inhibiting these natural products in the way they work? EBI and Black Elk are working from the ground up. Holowecki helped realize that before they could even consider creating and patenting a new product, they needed to first know what issues there were with the existing ones. George Dunnigan, Dean of OU's School of Osteopathic Medicine, seems to agree with Holowecki in that researchers need a better understanding of the plant before trying to do anything groundbreaking. Fundamentally, to, to, if you're going to grow it and dispense it, we probably ought to have a better idea and concept about what it does in hopes of finding out you know, what, what all types of uh, uh, remedies the stuff can have, how do you ingest it, what does it mean when you do, what are the consequences. And while the Institute, in partnership with Black Elk, has been hard at work studying those ideas, they still have a long way to go. The EBI has a Drug Enforcement Administration research license. However, they are still waiting for federal registration to begin studying their own samples of marijuana. So for now, they can only focus on consumer research. The EBI has already brought in upwards of $80 million from other patented drugs such as Somavert. Now with marijuana on the table, along with a new partnership, EBI and Black Elk see a bright future for cannabis research. For The Outlet, I'm Ben Schwartz. There are more than 1,300 international students on Ohio University's campus, but only eight of them come from Germany. There's a long history there, as it's the 25th anniversary of the partnership between OU and the University of Leipzig. Reporter Lauren Ramoser is one of those eight and checked out some stereotypes for us. Wir essen in Deutschland gar nicht so viel Sauerkraut, wie man denkt. That was German. But what does it mean? Well, it has to do with a popular stereotype of Germans. Wir essen gar nicht so viel Sauerkraut, wie man denkt, means we do not eat as much sauerkraut as you would expect. Due to the partnership between OU and the University of Leipzig in Germany, there have been thousands of American and German students traveling back and forth over the past quarter century. Aside from sauerkraut, let's take a closer look at the different cultures. What are the biggest stereotypes Americans have concerning Germany? OU student Brack McCullough presents us the most obvious one. I guess it was just everybody is just dancing around wearing lederhosen and drinking beer all the time. Bob Stewart, director of Scripps College and the sort of founding father of the Leipzig Corporation, has a flattering one. I actually think I learned a lesson from Germans and Leipzigers about how to be a friend. That, uh, and this is a bit of a stereotype, but it's based in some reality, I think. Germans, when they are your friend, they are a very good friend, a very deep level friend. But when you are a friend with a German, a real friend, it will survive a great distance of time because they take friendship really seriously and that's what I learned. OU student Clayton Reaver has another ego boost for all the Germans out there. From the people that I'd known previously, they were all very studious. And when I went there, it was kind of proven, you guys are pretty studious, you, you guys do a lot of good schoolwork. But what do the Germans in Athens think about American stereotypes? Professor Beate Schücking, president of Leipzig University, is more concerned on how fellow Germans can be too naive when they come to the States. When you go to China, you know that this is a different culture. And when you are there for a longer time, then you are happy to find uh, so many common traits. Uh, and when you go to America, you sort of think... Uh, you are almost in the same country, which of course is not true. America is a very different country from 
all, Europe, all European countries. Chemistry student Lisa Rover was hoping to enter food heaven when arriving in Athens. Oh, I expected that this will be the promised land of unhealthy food. So a lot of sweets and a lot of soda, the free refills and all the fast food. And the food is kind of unhealthy, but the sweets are better in Germany. But what is even more fun than exploring stereotypes? Focusing on language. German and English are very different. The English language has around 620,000 words. That's more than double the number Germans use. But in German, we can build great compounds like Hutschachtelfabrikantentochter, meaning daughter of the owner of a company for producing boxes for hats. Hutschachtelfabrikantentochter. Easy, isn't it? Out of all these possibilities, what are the favorite words and phrases of Americans who can speak German? OU student Zach Frank likes a word often confused for police in German. The word popo I think is funny because a lot of Americans think that Popo, like for police, is from German, but in German it just means like butt. But like when you're talking about it in like a very like childish way, so it's just weird that people think Popo comes from German and means police officer is like short for it. Clayton has a hard time liking the meaning of his favorite German word. It's uh, Schadenfreude. One, because it's kind of fun to say, and I don't really like the meaning of it, but it's to laugh at other people's pain. And I think that's kind of a... Uh, And a sentiment that you don't have an exact word for in English, so the ability to capture that whole kind of complex emotion in one word, I think it's kind of cool. And Bob Stewart is flattering toward Germany yet again. Um, I love the simple expression Auf Wiedersehen. I mean, it's so simple, but it really means I will see you again. It's a commitment. Nick Heinz is a German major at OU, and out of all the words, he picked a meaningful expression. I guess right off the bat, maybe like as to relied. I mean, we translate that to English as just like, I'm sorry. But if you like translate it word for word, it's it does me suffering. And I just feel like that's so much like more meaningful than I'm sorry. It means like, like, oh, I did something bad and it makes me feel really bad. Every school kid in Germany learns English as we want to be able to communicate with the world. So here are some German students' favorite expressions. Lisa learned her favorite word just recently. Oh, I just learned it. It's clusterfuck because it's a very innocent term in German and this one just sounds very nasty and I think it's kind of funny. Yeah. Rüdiger Steinmetz is head of communications in Leipzig. Favorite expression is make the world a better place. That's such a stereotype. Everyone says it, um, but no one really uh, can connect anything with that. Talking about your home country with foreign people is mostly fun and provides an opportunity to see new perspective. Having stereotypes isn't always a bad thing. You can't help what society has ingrained into your head, but reflecting and learning from them in real life is always the better option. For the outlet, I'm Lauren Ramosa. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us. The outlet is co-produced and co-hosted this week by me, Elise Hammond, and Abby Grzee. We're edited by Atish Baidia, Susan Tebben, and Allison Hunter. Adam Rich is our technical assistant. Our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud and iTunes, or find us online at woub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore WOUB. We'll be back in January with more stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities.